1: We now rejoin today's message already in progress. We may wonder why such days as these might factor into God's plan for the world. Well, the Bible says these are determined days. While God is not the author of evil, he has determined to abandon sinful man to his choice. Of a life of wickedness. This includes nations. That support these choices. Including America. This is an effort. To expose man's sinfulness. And. Basically his wretched condition. The condition of humanity. And society in the last days. Is absolute proof. That man left to himself. Will ruin. Everything he touches. The Midas effect in reverse. And regardless of how we may want society to improve, we will continue to see it slide into decay. We may be able to stem the tide and stop the advance of sin in isolated pockets here and there. But for the most part, conditions around us are going to continue to deteriorate until Jesus returns to this world to rule in righteousness and power. You see, natural man, instead of getting better spiritually, is actually growing more and more wicked. Ephesians 4.22, Daniel 12.10 tells us that the wicked shall do what? Wickedly. The wicked shall do wickedly. As we shall see in a few minutes, the spread of evil is not just in the world. It's also true in religious circles. Amen? Again, the characteristics of the last days are their deeds. Paul describes the kind of people who will be alive during the last days. He tells us how they will think. He tells us how they will live. You only need to read these verses and cross-reference them with your local newspaper or the evening news and life all around us to see we are surrounded by those who are fulfilling these characteristics to a T. Just take a few minutes. Let's go through this list of attitudes and actions that will mark those living in the last days. Then you tell me if we're in the last days or not. First, Paul says lovers of self, selfish, those intent on your own interests, Philippians 2.3 says. Nothing is more important to some people than themselves. These people feel as if the world revolves around them and them alone. They are literally setting themselves up as their own little God. When love for self is elevated, love for God and all other things is lowered. For example, the trend in the modern church towards self-esteem, self-worth, a positive self-image. All concepts borrowed from modern secular psychology. It's New Age preaching creeping into so-called evangelical churches. Now, every one of these characteristics Paul names is a result of being a lover of self. And when a person is number one in their own eyes to themselves well, then he himself is the be-all and end-all of all his existence. Then we should not be surprised at the depths of evil of which he's capable. Keep in mind as we study these terms, though, the people who do these things basically are merely in love with themselves. And actually, that is what hell is. You know, we have this concept of the hellfire and burning. But you see, the people who are there, how can I say this, Lord? On the cross, when God's presence left Jesus, because from the beginning of time, Jesus and the Father were always one together. And the Holy Spirit, all three were always together. That's why Jesus, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did you leave me? He was separated from God for the first time. Now, he became sin. He took our curses. He died a sinner's death so we don't have to. He descended into hell. The total, absolute, non-existence presence of God. God is nowhere to be found in hell. People who are in love with themselves, so self-righteous, so focused on their own self and their own pleasures, don't. Give a care about anything else but themselves. Setting themselves up as their own gods. That is what hell is all about. The the story Jesus told about the, the rich man and Lazarus. Notice the rich man isn't even named. He doesn't even have a name anymore. Your name is who you are. This rich man did not even have a name. Even that was taken from him. He is described as a rich man. Because that is who he seen himself as. That's who he lifted himself up to be. A rich man. And you see what his riches got him. But even in hell. He did not say, have mercy on me. Forgive me for my sins. I repent of my riches. No, he still tried to exert influence, commanding Abraham to send Lazarus to dip his finger in water and cool his tongue. He still seen himself as privileged. He didn't, he said he was in torment. Yes, but he still held himself out to be his own God. I don't have time to go into that today. We are almost out of time. and If I want to get through this study, we got to go. But what I want you to see is all these characteristics as a result of being a lover of of yourself. Amen? Now, next is covetous. Covetous is lovers of money. And we could go through several scriptures. I'll just tell you what they are because we don't have time to go through them. Hebrews three, or Hebrews 13, verse 5, First Timothy 6, 10, 1 John 2, 15. God's plan is that we worship him, God. Love other people. Use things that he gives to us to help spread the gospel. When our priorities become all skewed and mixed up, we start to worship ourselves. We ignore God. We love and accumulate things. And we use other people. This is the formula for defeat in life. And that is exactly what we just described with the rich man and Lazarus. Then you have boasters, empty pretenders, windbags, bragging about what they have and what they've done, setting themselves up as the be-all and end-all of all other people's lives. You should be like me. I can prove to you that I am better than you are because I have more and I do more. And I do it because I have more. And as I have more, I get more. And I get more, I can do more. Oh, I'm so great. Boasters. And that goes hand in hand with pride. Being proud. Being an overestimator of one's own worth. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. Nothing but sinners saved by grace. First Corinthians 15:10. You do well to remember the counsel though of Romans chapter 12 verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me to every man that is among you don't think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. In other words, as John chapter 15 verse 5 says, we are nothing without him. Pride is what got the devil in trouble to begin with. I'll lift up my throne above that of the Most High God. You can't do that. Next is blasphemers. And notice how Almost each one of these things builds upon the prior one. I I just noticed that, you know, we, we talked about lovers of self, then lovers of money, then boasters, then pride, an overestimate of one's worth. After that, when you've lifted yourself up, and you've accumulated all these things and you're so proud of your own work, you start talking down to others, including God, blasphemers, given to defiant and bitter words. These are the ones who speak evil of God, his children, his followers, and his work. Have you ever considered the rise in cursing in our day? When I grew up, if someone cussed in front of a lady, they would immediately turn around and apologize, even if she wasn't involved in the conversation. Oh, I'm sorry, ma'am, I shouldn't talk like that. Same thing if they cursed in front of the preacher. I'm sorry, Reverend, I didn't mean to say that in front of you. But today, I hear some of the foulest language coming out of the mouths of women in public. Why is this? Because men and women have all lost their respect for God. They've lost respect for themselves. They've lost respect for their fellow human being. They think nothing of using their tongues to speak evil against everyone and everything. They bring damnation upon themselves, cursed by their own mouths. And when you get to that point, it's very easy to become disobedient to your parents. That's the next item. The rejection of Christian values, the rejection of morality, reaches into the home. It is a reflection of and an end result of lack of Christian upbringing in the home. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, says... Basically, summed up, discipline has gone out the window. If children will not respect and obey their parents, who will they respect? If there's no obedience, no respect, no loyalty in the home, why should we expect to find it in society? Our schools have been turned into little gang-infested ghettos themselves. And this is a true reflection of the values, or I should say lack of values, that's in the home. And when you reach that point, there's no sense of being thankful for anything. So you become unthankful in all things. There's no sense of gratitude for anything they gain or possess. You could give someone in this condition a brand new car. Like, okay, thanks. And then what are they gonna do? They're gonna go show it off their friends. Man, my mama and daddy gave me this new car. How about that? It's my car now. But there's no real true appreciation for anything. No sense of gratitude. You know, whether you receive something from man or God, there's still no gratitude. First Thessalonians 5, verse 18 says that. Our society today in America is marked by this kind of unthankfulness. People complain about everything and everyone. You know, When I was a cop, the cops would complain about having to work. And I'd have to remind them, there are many people who would love to have your job. But they're unthankful about that. They don't see that As a blessing that they have been hired to do a job to protect the public. Oh, that's a very generalized statement. I shouldn't do that. There are a few who are like that. Every single day, all they do is complain. You probably know people like that in your work, or you have worked with them. They complain about everything. It's too hot. It's too cold. The windows are too dirty. They never pick up the trash at time. Somebody drank the last pot of coffee or cup of coffee and didn't make more. The the copier's, you know, uh, the toner is too light. Uh, You know, nobody reloads the paper tray but me. You know, complain, 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 complain. That's all they do is complain. Yet, God's word teaches us, Colossians 3.15, that we should be thankful in all things. And when people degrade down to this point, they become unholy, according to 2 Timothy 3. Remember, we're reading verses 1 through 5 here. Next, they're unholy. That means wicked. Another sense of being profane. This is the state of heart when men, and I'm using that term as humans, lose all regard for decency and shame. People are governed by their passions. They're blinded to modesty, decency, purity, and righteousness. Think of the common use of sexuality today on TV to sell products. Amen? Think about all the quote-unquote wardrobe malfunctions you see in public. And it turns out to have been planned. Think of the flaunting of wickedness and evil that's so rampant today in society. Think about these gay pride parades where they wear thongs and leave very little to the imagination. Scripture says wickedness and evil will be so rampant in our society, men will increase in wickedness as the end time approaches. And this trend is becoming more and more evident. The bottom line is men will hold nothing as being sacred anymore. Are we there yet? I think so. Without natural affection... Describes a breakdown of the family unit. There's a loss of love for those we should hold to the dearest. Abandonment, abuse, abortion, infidelity. All of these are symptoms of modern society. Proving we've lost our way. All natural love will be lost in the desire to fulfill the basest and most perverted of human excesses. And you see that. Gay marriage is being trumpeted as the great victory. And at the same time, they will sue and drive out of business anyone who holds to their Christian values. We're living in those days. Truce breakers. This refers to those who will not keep their promises. Not just truces between different nations. Agreements between one another. Another. A man's word and a handshake is no longer his bond. It also speaks to people who will never try to agree. It's a picture of those who are unyielding and must at all costs have their own way. I'm right, you're wrong, you can never change my mind type of attitude. Not only does this sound like our government, it's also very prevalent in church today as well. There are false accusers, slanderers. These people do everything in their power to destroy the good name and reputation of another. By the way, this word is the same word from which we get the word devil from. In other words, the devil is a slanderer. And those who engage in destroying the good name of another person are guilty of engaging in the devil's work. For whom do they work when they do this? Are they using words to build up or words to tear down another person? That tells you who they're serving. Incontinent. That means without self-control or the ability to discipline your own life. If it feels good, do it. Why should I deny myself these little pleasures of life? Promiscuity, abortion, high divorce rates. Need I say more? Many lost people careen through life like a driverless car, bouncing off walls as they go. Such is the motto and mission of modern society. But the word of God has a different take on it. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Just because it's legal doesn't make it right. I'll use the example of gay marriages again. Just because the government says it's legal does not make it right. Amen. Fierce. Is the next one. It means untamed, savage, or brutal. People be controlled by their baser instincts. We are seeing a trend in this direction in our society. Men are literally living like wild animals. Inner cities are like war zones, especially at night. Chicago is a prime example. They're on track for something like eight or nine hundred murders this year. Every weekend. It's like 30, 40, 50 shootings in a weekend. It's a war zone. But yet it's not even being addressed by the government. Because they are promoting the lifestyle that encourages that. Next is despisers of those that are good. In a world where good is evil and evil is good, those who stand for right are a slap in the face of the evildoer. Therefore, those who take a biblical stand are apt to be persecuted and hated. Why do you think the worldly crowd wants the Ten Commandments taken down from every public place? Why do you think they don't want prayer at school functions? Why do you think that the world is so against the word of God being preached in a public forum? Why is this government so anti-Christian? Whom are they serving? I think you know the answer. Traitors, not just national traitors, people who betray others, people who break friendship uh, friendship and bonds just to get their way. These people will lie, cheat, steal. They'll crush anyone who dares to get in their way. Basically, people who possess no morals, no loyalty, except to themselves. Just think about the current presidential election climate, if you know what I mean. Heady, reckless, rash, acting without reasonable thought. This is a lifestyle that does as it pleases without regard for any consequences. It speaks of those involved in activities of a foolish nature. There are just too many examples I could give for this one, but you get the idea. We've got to move on. Next is being high-minded. Those who are puffed up with a false sense of their own self-importance. People who think they're better than what they really are. These people feel they have no need for God or others. They're all they need. The, well, I'm not going to get off on, on that aspect. We've got to wrap it up. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Those who love Pleasures of the world more than God. Ours is a pleasure-based, mad society. One study says America spent almost $7 billion on movies, $13.7 billion on music, $6 billion on video games, bought $1 billion in books, and church attendance was only about 50% of the families in America, if that. Folks, that's a description of the world in which we live. Amen. There's only one answer, and His name is Jesus. There's only one person you can put complete trust in, not only to take care of your every need, not only to take care of paying the debt of sin debt that you owe because of the way you've lived, what you've done, there's only one person who says, bring it to me, I'll take care of it. It'd be like if you owe an electric bill that is 10 months to a year behind, and someone says, bring the, bring the bill to me, I'll take care of it. And you give them the bill, you trust them that they're going to take care of that huge bill that you have absolutely no way of paying. You trust them to do it because they said they did. Amen. Not only would they, but did they. Amen. Jesus said, come unto me. All you who are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. If you have not come to that place where you can have absolute trust in Jesus, I ask you to do so now just say this prayer with me. Father, I thank you for John 3.16, that you loved me so much, you gave Jesus to pay the sin debt I could never pay. Jesus, I thank you that you did pay that debt once and for all time. And Lord, I now put my trust in you. Come into my heart. Create in me that new man. One that is righteous in the eyes of God with your righteousness. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. That's all the time we have for today. Email me if you prayed that prayer, brother Bob at FTFM.org because we want to rejoice with you. Amen. Till next time is Pastor Bob reminding you, be blessed in all that you do.
0: You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher. Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's F-T-F-M for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's FTFM.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed.